so let me, uh, let me pray. Father, we just pray that you would take this amazing passage of Scripture in the Old Testament and just help us to understand what an incredibly beautiful passage it is, how meaningful it is to us, and that it's very frequent that each December it would be one of the many passages that just overwhelms our hearts with love and gratitude and praise and joy. Thank you for what you've written here. Thank you that over 2,700 years ago, the prophet Isaiah was given insight. And then 700 years after that, the true Lamb of God, the light of the world came. And we want to be so filled with joy and appreciation and intentionality, God, that that light would shine in our day. We desperately need the light of the gospel to shine. Would you fill us with that desire, God, that when we are here today, we just want the light of Christ to shine. Our hearts are broken when we see darkness and even when we look back at our own lives, we are so thankful that you're a saving, redeeming God. But there's so many lost people, God. There's so many people that don't know you. There's so many people um, that do not even have a clue as to what we're trying to celebrate at Christmas time as Christians. Help us to make that message known, God, to re recover, to take advantage of the opportunity that is before us in a culture that still has some resemblance of the meaning of Christmas in their minds. May we make it more prominent in our own hearts. May it be prominent in our community, O oh God, and in the world, that the world would see that the light has come. A great light was shining, and that's why we're worshiping here now at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I want to um, I, I wanna just kind of describe how Christmas might feel to you. It might feel like, or December might just feel kind of like madness and chaos and um, how many of you would agree that December can be stressful? Uh, how many of you agree that maybe you spent a little too much money or you're going to spend a little much too much money in December? Um, do any of you, I'm wondering if any of you are like I am, and like if maybe if you're a college student, I don't think you would completely understand this, but maybe you're the one that does what my job is and up in my attic, I have an attic over our garage, and it has pretty much a lot of Christmas stuff up there. And it's my job to pull down. The only way up there is this um, rickety ladder that pops down, and when you're walking on it, it's shaking, and you're like feeling like it's pretty much going to crack, especially the weight of the Christmas boxes that have all the decorations. Um, you've and if you're a college, maybe you're the one that gets to go up and down the ladder. Um, I don't know. How many of you like decorating? Okay. How many of you like it to be decorated? And you're like, well, oh, shoot, I just happened to be late. I'm so glad y'all got the tree done. Um, or maybe uh, any people that have the um, fake tree, fake tree people, real tree people. No tree people. Okay, we got a few of those. Okay. Um, is anyone already tired 
feeling tired and it's only December 10th? Yeah, okay. Just kind of getting the feeling. Let everybody kind of feel what we're going through right now. Um, for Christians in much of American culture, Christmas is an annual celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. For many of us, this, still, this is what this means to us. Um, and there's no Bible verse in Scripture that tells us that we have to celebrate Christmas the way that we do. Um, but I want to say that I'm indebted to growing up in a church. My, my parents divorced and we left the church and for many years that wasn't part of my life. But I do remember in childhood, especially um, going to church around Christmas time, if there's anything I really remember, it was the two great stories of Christianity. And one was the birth of Christ and the other was the death and resurrection of Jesus. I, like, I got that. I got some of the stories as well. But if someone had asked me, I could, I could explain those two great pillars of the Christian faith. And that is that Jesus Christ was a son of God who entered into the world, um, entered into flesh to... Um, experience life in a sinful world and then lay down his life for us. And so I could, I could attach the Christmas idea and the Easter idea together. And this was before I was a Christian. I wasn't really interested in Christianity, but I got that message. And so I just want to say that I'm indebted to being brought up where I heard that. And I just want you to, if you've had the privilege of being brought up in a church, then I want you to appreciate that that's where you got that information from, from, from the gospel. And if you have kids, then I hope, I hope you feel it's very important that your kids understand this and they get it because the culture is not interested in, um, they're not interested in communicating that. Um, they're not interested in a great light that shines into the moral darkness of our culture. So thank you, God, for whatever means you've used to do that. So what I want to do today is I want to, try to, I want to try to amp things up a little bit. I want you to feel like this is our job. This is our job. There's a lot of people that have, um, are like, no, I don't hate Christmas. I hate all the commercialization. Um, I, I get that part, but just get over that <laughs> and think that maybe it's an opportunity. Maybe if people are wondering Maybe someone has no clue as to what the, where this came from. That's our job. It's our job. When people drive by churches, they might be going, "What's that for? And what's the steeple? And what's the? Why do you wear a cross? Why do you wear that? They don't even, maybe they don't even know that it's a. They don't even know that it's a cross. I was like, "What is that symbol around your neck?" Then that's where we get to take advantage of this. So I just want to. I want to summon you to take advantage. And here's a couple of things that I are part of the message that come out of Isaiah 9. Um, the world is a dark place in desperate need of spiritual light. The world is a dark place in desperate need of spiritual light. Isaiah said people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness. Um, the world is dark. Spiritually dark. When the Bible talks about darkness, it's, it's referring to a spiritual or moral darkness that people um, don't know right from wrong even sometimes. And there's a moral darkness where people just do whatever they want to do. Whatever's in their heart to do, they do. And the culture says, don't you judge, don't do this, don't do that. Nobody can do this or that. And so the culture is like, stay away from me with your light. Keep your light out of my party. Keep your light out of my dorm. Keep your light out of my dating life. Keep your light out of my 
um, my pleasures and the things I want to chase. And it's, it's sad because that, that darkness, darkness is deadly. Um, people are walking in darkness every minute. And it feels like a time in history, in my mind, where people could use some light. Would you agree with that? Does it feel like a time where people could use some light? Okay, so we still, and the reason we know that people need light, because we still need police officers and armies. We still need lawyers and judges. We need jails and prisons because the world is very alive to sin. And things like greed and murder and lust and hatred and war and oppression and bribery and such. Like that stuff's pretty common. Even in our little town has more crime than you could imagine. Our little town has way more. Our little town in the so-called quiet little mountains, there's layers of crime that are in every area, every culture, every community that are, are shocking when people are in position to investigate that. And the other shocking reality is that our little hearts have more corruption and remaining sin than most of us care to acknowledge. In our little hearts, in our little town, there's a lot of sin. In our little hearts, there's a lot of sin. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of capacity to sin in this room today. However many number of people that are in this room, that's the number of people that have the capacity to do shocking things. And it's only by the grace of God and because the light has shone into our dark hearts that we begin to see this and realize this, and it's essential. In Jeremiah 17, 9, the prophet Jeremiah wrote what God told him to write, and God says this, the heart is deceitful above all things, like more than you can imagine. Like, shockingly, the human heart is capable of unbelievable things, and he says, desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, and rest the mind. So God who searches the heart, He knows what's in there. And He's telling us what we can't fathom. We tend to ignore or pretend that we're something we're not or we get offended if someone says that we maybe we've done something wrong. It's honestly, it's shocking when we don't. I mean, we're just so f full of sin. And it's, we can do good things, but that doesn't mean that we're good. It means that Somehow we've found a reason to do something right. What it, what, but what the Bible reveals to us, when if you go and you put yourself to analyze through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and you really understand the Sermon on the Mount, it's so interesting how people say, oh, the Sermon on the Mount is so nice. It's, the, it's deep. And it takes you and exposes layers of your, your heart. And so Galatians 5 says that our flesh produces certain things, the works or the production, the fruitfulness, the works of the flesh, like our, our natural self. When the Bible refers to flesh, it just means the way that you are. And here's what we normally produce. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, the, and things like these. So have any of you ever noticed stuff like this? You ever see? Does this look like the news or a good movie, a popular movie? Uh, this is everywhere. This is what's out there. Um, have any of you participated in stuff like this? Yeah, everyone in this room. Everyone in this room. Um, if you don't think you have, then I can never offer the gospel to you. If you don't think you've done wrong, then you don't need the gospel. I don't know what you're doing here. Why would you go to a place 
that's going to reveal to people their hearts if you don't even think you've done, you don't have anything to repent of, nothing. I, I have nothing for you. If you don't need Christ, that's all I have to offer. And if you think you're a good person, I have nothing for you. Nothing. But if you know yourself to be a sinner, then I have the most wonderful news because a great light has shone into my heart and the many hearts of people in here. We, were, we have been singing this morning. We lifted up our voices because a great light is shining and we need to proclaim and thank God for that. Okay, so is anyone glad that Jesus was born here today? Anyone, you glad that Jesus was born? Me too. Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but there's, there's some people sitting in this room who've been in some dark places that right now today are so thankful to God that Jesus was born. Okay, so the first thing is um, the world is a dark place in desperate need of light. Everybody with me? You tracking with me? You agree the world's a dark place in need of light. Okay, second thing, Jesus is that light. Jesus is the great light. A great light has come. His name is Jesus. Isaiah the prophet was speaking in a dark time when the judgment of God was getting ready to come. God was warning them because they would not listen to His warning after warning after warning. Old Testament prophets would plead, turn to God, turn from your sin, and they would warn. And then another prophet would come and He would warn them and another prophet would come. And finally God's beginning to say, I'm about fed up. And so in Isaiah's day, Isaiah day, he warned them a judgment of God was coming from Assyria about 722 and brought judgment on the northern kingdom of Israel. Judah was a little better, but not much. And so Jeremiah came along a couple hundred years later and said, now the judgment's coming to you. The, the southern kingdom thought they were better because they had Jerusalem and the throne of David and the temple. So they thought, we're more religious than those northerners. And so the southerners, does that sound funny? Um, the southerners with all their religion thought, no, we got, we got God on our side. We're Bible Belt. We're Bible Belt. Well, in Judah, the way they would say it, it's like, we got the temple. And so they thought they were better. And then he said, no, you're not any better because the light is shining and you're ignoring it and the judgment of God is coming. And so... That's, that's just always the message in the Bible. Always. The light is shining and you need to turn toward God. And, but when you first turn, the light's going to expose a lot of crud. When you first turn to God, He's going to reveal a lot of crud in your heart. And that's why people don't want to. They don't want to say, I don't want to know about that. I don't, want, don't, don't bring your Bible and your morality or whatever. There's like, no, I don't, I don't want any light. And God says, you can't. Receive Jesus if you're not willing to come into the light. And that's what the, the gospel is about. And so we are told that Jesus is the great light. When Adam and Eve sinned, this is a little glimmer, a little glimmer of light. I'll send someone to be born of Eve. When the world sinned and the flood came, there was a little glimmer. There's a little glimmer. If you believe in the salvation of God, then, then put your trust in the ark and that's symbolism. The ark is really representing Jesus. Jesus is our ark. It's like you don't want to die in the judgment of God, then you need to be in the ark or you need to be in Christ. Christ is the one. He's the ark who rescues us from sin and death. And if you're Abraham and you're being told that God's going to do these wonderful things through your family, but not apart from the promised one who's going to, was then promised to Isaac, then promised to Jacob, and then promised to Judah. Eventually, 
Abraham, I'm going to bless you and the whole world, but it's going to come not because of you, but through, through you. It's not because you're something, because someone is going to come. Because I have ordained that the Savior is going to come through your lineage. Not because you're great, because anyone that knows Abraham knows Abraham wasn't always so great. He was a liar and other things. Okay? And so, but it was, God made a promise that through you I'm going to save people. And that was like the light, the light shining. Um, and then... Then this guy named John the Baptist shows up. Let me use an analogy I used in the first service. So if, um, maybe you've been on the highway and there's like many miles away is there a sign that says Miami, 300 miles or something. You know, or it's like you're traveling down the road and you go, 300 miles, that's like eternity. Why even put a sign out there? It's so discouraging. Um, but at least you're going on the right, you're on the right road. At least that part helps. Like, okay, I'm on the right road, but I've still got a, a lot of miles to go. And that's, that must have been how Adam felt. It's like, man, we're 300 or thousands of years till Jesus comes. And it's a long way out, but it, but it was on the right road. Like, keep your eye on the destination. And then with Noah, it's like a little closer than Abraham. Okay, we're, what, 1,800 years out or something. Abraham's like, okay, now 1,800 years out. And then... Isaiah's like, he didn't know it, but it's like, we're getting, light's getting brighter, getting a little closer, uh, 700 years out. And then the Old Testament prophets closing out the Old Testament canon probably uh, 400, 400 years out. And, and then, then God told Zechariah the prophet, You're gonna, your old wife's going to have a baby. And it's like, the exit sign, the exit, exit here. That was John the Baptist, John. He was like the exit sign, exit now. You ever been Chick-fil-A sign that says exit now? I don't know where it's at. Like exit now. I'm, I'm in the left lane. I'm moving over, buddy. And that's what John the Baptist's job was. Exit now. Jesus is here. Don't drive past this exit. Don't miss him. That was John's job. And John the Baptist came. And guess what he said he was doing? Shining the light. A great light has come. That was his job, his announcement. The great light has come. The light is here. And so um, an angel told Zechariah that. An angel told Mary that she was going to give birth. Um, you think of Jesus' name as like, well, some people say, okay, Jesus Christ. I need to throw another name in there. Um, Jesus means um, Yeshua if you were Old Testament, you would understand Yeshua is like Joshua. It's, it's, the, same, it's the word. It's the word Joshua. And Joshua was a, um, I think his name was symbolic of the coming, the real Joshua. The first Joshua wasn't like the real deal. He was just like symbolic of leading the people of God. But there was a greater Joshua coming. And so the name Joshua means save. Jesus saves. You should call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then you have the name, some people say, the, the, the Christ, which means Messiah, the one, the chosen one. Jesus is, Joshua was never called, the Old Testament Joshua, in the book of Joshua, disciple of Moses was never called Joshua Christ. Just Joshua. Jesus has another title, 
Christ, the anointed one, the one ordained, appointed by God, the one, the Christ, the Christ, Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah. And then there's another word that was joined to Jesus that totally makes him, it's no mistake there's something being pronounced about Jesus that is unparalleled. Because in the Jewish mind, a human being could be the Christ. They thought the Messiah was going to be one of David's descendants. But there's another component here that they totally missed. They didn't understand the significance. But he also has another name and it's Emmanuel. Which means God with us. God with us. Who's with us? God. No one else can line up those titles. And so Jesus was the light. Because He's the the Savior, He's the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Christ, and He's God. And those line up and give us the hope of the world. And that's why I'm glad Jesus was born. That's what makes me sing, celebrate Christmas. Because that guy, that guy, that one, the one, the one. John the Baptist, is is it him? That's the one. John the Baptist was pretty important, but he's just a road sign. He's just like exit now. And you get off the exit and go, whoa, Jesus. You ever gotten off the exit something? Do you want to see something that was way grander than you could have imagined? Any of y'all gone to the ark exhibition? It's like you pull up there and go, this is just no way. Like I'm impressed with that from modern technology and building skills. I can't even imagine it with a hammer and a chisel. My mind is blown when I drive up into a paved parking lot to see it. I can't imagine what it was like to see when it was originally built. And that's what Jesus is grander than anything our minds could imagine. It's like exit now. That, that's what we're saying when Jesus is born. And we're saying the people walked in darkness have seen a great light. And, and then I just want to tell you a little bit more about him that was prophesied. I want to tell you maybe um, 11 things. Sometimes I lose my numbers counting and people go, what was the numbers? And I go, I don't know. Okay, okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. So, number one, he was born. He was born. He, this, that's the humanity of Christ. What about the great life? He's... He's actually coming from Eve, a real a human being. That's one thing we know. He had to be a real man. He couldn't be a fake man, pretend man, um, feigning manhood. Jesus was a real man. That's why he felt real pain on the cross. He was a real man. He was born. And two, he rules. He's sovereign. Jesus is sovereign. A real man was born and his his sovereign over all governments rest his resting on his shoulders. He's like above all governments. Jesus reigns over all governments. And he's his name. He has a great name. A name that needs to be lifted up, worthy of praise, every knee to bow, every tongue confess. And if we won't do it here, my friend, if you won't worship him here, you will bow before him. It'll just be involuntarily. And it'll be too late to get any benefit from him. It'll almost be an admission of what you always knew. It's really, 
it, it, it's not that you're going to enjoy worshiping. No one's going to enjoy worshiping Jesus if they um, don't do it in this life. There's no past later. There's no purgatory. There's no layers of heaven. No one's going to send prayers ahead and light candles for you. Done. If you don't worship Him now, you'll never worship Him ever again. You'll never worship Him. If you don't start now, it's over for you. But His name is great. And He needs to be worshipped and praised. And then He's wonderful. Wonderful beyond comparison. Like wonderful. Just wonderful. There's no one to compare. My wife, I think my wife is wonderful. I think my kids are a lot of times wonderful. Um, I, I think some of you can occasionally be wonderful. And, and the more I get to know you, yes, it's still possible. Okay? But Jesus is always wonderful. Wonderful. Lord Jesus. If I ever think that He's not, it's because I'm not understanding. He is. He's, sometimes I don't understand what He's doing, but He's still wonderful. And He's counselor. He's like the smartest. He's omniscient. He's wonderful. He's all-knowing. He's the most wonderful counselor. And I, I need counseling. And Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Do you need counseling? Anyone here need counseling? You want counseling? Jesus wants to counsel you. He can use other people, but they need to be borrowing light from Him. If they've got any light on a subject, hopefully it came from Him. It's like borrowed light. Our light's borrowed light. Well, he's the sun. We're getting light from the moon, okay? That's like nighttime light. But the, all the light, all truth is God's truth. And people borrow it sometimes, and we can just call that borrowed light. Okay? Um, and He is mighty God, mighty God, omnipotent, all-powerful, mighty God. He's not a weak God. He's not a wimpy God. He's not sometimes God. He's mighty God. He's not shared God. He's not one of God. He's not a plurality of gods. He is mighty God. Jesus Christ, who came and was born, is mighty God. He is Everlasting Father. What does that mean? That simply means He's one with God. They, had, they use that language because what it means is He's like the Father. The Jews didn't understand the Trinity yet. They were sorting through that. And so to call, say that He's like, what did He say? That's another way what Jesus said that so offended the people in His day is He's, I'm one with the Father. That's, that's what this is saying. He's, he is um, uh, e eternal Everlasting Father, like He is one. He is one with God. He's not like a Mormon, uh, lower level God, God A, God B. He is, he is equal with the Father. He is God in that, in the full sense that God, the Father is God, Jesus is God. And He is Prince of Peace. He's the only one who can end war. Anyone want war to end forever? Anyone want crime to end? Anyone you ever had conflict and lack of peace? He's, he's the Prince of Peace. He can bring peace to you. He can bring peace to the world. He can bring peace to your life. He can bring pre peace to your troubled soul. He is the Prince of Peace. The only one to solve us, our problems, and bring peace. And He is eternal. There will be no end to His rule and peace. No more rebellion. It's like once He's on the throne, no one else gets there. David gave it a shot. Saul gave it a shot. Um, Hezekiah gave it a shot. Manasseh gave it a shot. They were had their little. They were they're just seat warmers. They just warmed the seat. They weren't real kings. They were seat warmers. They just warmed the seat till Jesus got on the seat. And Jesus is the eternal King. It's like, okay, well, I warmed the seat. Some warmed the seat for a little bit, and some warmed it for forty years, and some warmed the seat. Some warmed the seat better than others. But Jesus is like, okay, off my seat. And Jesus came and he took his seat on the throne of God. 
And Jesus is the eternal king. Once Jesus got there, nobody else is going there. It's his, it's his seat. Never was theirs. It's his. Eternal. And he's just and righteous. So, thank God. I, you ever been treated unjustly? You ever been treated unrighteously? You ever had a wrong committed against you and the people in authority over you were going for the other person and you felt like, man, I got robbed. I got, some people go to court and the court doesn't go the right way and they hire expensive lawyers and that's no guarantee that the court system is going to work. But may I promise you, God's court system works. It's going to work. He is a righteous judge. And praise be to God, because if it weren't for the grace of God, then you would come under the gavel. God would go guilty and your name would be associated with it. But since Jesus is the Savior, He's going to go guilty. I already paid my son. No double payments in heaven. No double payments. He's not going to go, Jesus paid and you're going to pay too. It's like, no, there's only one payment in the courtroom of God. And if you come under the mercy of Jesus Christ, then one payment's over. If Jesus ever pounds the gavel and said, I've paid for this person. It is done. It is finished. It is over. God will never ask or demand a payment for something Jesus paid for. He is not double payment. But if you're not under the blood of Jesus, then you got to pay. The gavel will go down in the future when you stand before the judgment of God or it already went down at the cross. You, you get to pick. I'll take, I'll take payment done by Jesus. I don't want to pay for my sins. I'll take the payment made by Jesus. Aren't you glad Jesus was born? Man, and zealous, zealous. He is zealous. I love that part. I, I don't know that the zeal of the Lord will do this. It's not your zeal. It's not Webster Baptist zeal. It's not your Bible study zeal. It's not worship team zeal. It's the zeal of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord's going to do this. No, nobody can stop him. He is zealous. He is like, you ever seen someone and go, they're on a mission. He's on a mission. And by the way, do you know who he is? When he's on a mission, it's mission accomplished. There's no other way around it. He will do what he said. You read this book from beginning to end and it's all going to be done. It's in process. And nothing, not even the gates of hell can prevail against the work and the kingdom of God. King Jesus is towering over history, moving it towards its rightful conclusion. The will of God will be done. And therefore, that's, that's my king. That's the light. That's what baby Jesus grew up to do. That's what he came to do. He started out little, soft, cooey, needed someone to hold him, warm him, feed him, change his diaper. He was fully human. That's what he came to do. And nobody stopped him. The devil couldn't stop him when he thought he had a chance. What a joke. And he surely can't stop him now. Okay? And that's what we're talking about come Christmas. If someone says, what are you Christians all worked up about? I said, oh, oh, my friend, can, can I tell you? Can I tell you about the great light who has come?
And can I tell you, you might not have eyes to see it, but can I tell you what I think he's doing? He's gathering people from all over the world who believe in him. And he's calling them into the kingdom. He's calling them out of darkness into his marvelous light that they may become a holy nation who lift up his praise and will leave this world to be with him forever and ever and ever without end. That's what we've got to get across. Go shopping if you want. Go do those other things. That's fine. That's fine. But what I'm calling you to do is see by the grace of God if you can't turn some of those conversations toward a greater light than the Christmas light. When you go down the road, that's fine. Enjoy the lights on the telephone poles. That's fine. Love it. Why don't you just then ask somebody, you know what that's about? Ask them, you ask them what they think it's about. What do you think it's about? Can I show you what I think it's about? What do you think? Why do you think you get a break in school? Oh, holidays. All right. Well, where where did it start? You ever idea why we do this? Why we even started doing this in the first place? It's not summer vacation, winter vacation. That's what they want to call it now. But say, you know, you interested in history a little bit? Can I tell you a little bit of history? It didn't start like that. It started with something called Christmas. Do you do you know? Can we talk? Would you be interested in hearing what I think? So use the opportunity. Because a great light has come and a great light is desperately needed in our world, okay? You glad Jesus was born? Hallelujah, me too. And you know what? No matter how much passion and zeal you get for it, you'll never out-zeal God. What you'll do is you will get zeal from His zeal. If you line up with Him, then suddenly the zeal of the Lord will be something that will begin to work in your heart. Okay, let, let's, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the birth of Jesus, which led to the life of Jesus, which led to the sacrifice of Jesus, which led to the death of Jesus, which led to the resurrection of Jesus, which is our hope. Thank you, God, that Jesus was born so that he could die and rise again and bring great light to us. Help us. This season, oh God, may we just think all the opportunities that are right in front of us and may we seize those opportunities. There's people, oh God, that we know and love. They need a great light. And we just pray, light of the world, will you shine this season? May we be able to introduce someone to the greatest gift that's ever been given. In Jesus' blessed name I pray. Amen. <laughs>